0: Today on SoundPlus Doctrine, we're going to cover a controversial and long debated topic of whether or not a church can include non-Christians on their music team. Thanks for joining us. Hi, my name is David Zimmer. My name is Bob Coughlin. <laughs> What's so funny, Bob? Oh, I didn't even start the timer. Know. I'm not even sure. Okay, okay I started Start it. the timer.
1: <laughs> we're doing great. Okay. How are you doing? I'm doing fantastic. It's a joy to be here with you.
0: It is. Hey, uh, last episode, we explored the topic, should churches pay their musicians? Yes. And so I thought it would be appropriate, uh, since we touched on it last uh, podcast, but we didn't really get to get into it, uh, but it would be, should a church have non-Christians on your team? Mm. So I think it's a little controversial, Mm. but uh, I'm sure you have something to share on the topic. (laughs) Well, I'm
1: sure you do too. (laughs)
0: So So, where do we start?
1: Well, I think uh, I think this is a conversation that I've been having with people for decades. Mm. Really, I remember being—I don't know—was it like a chat room or something, something before Facebook? It was a long time ago. uh, Of a bunch of like worship leaders, music leaders um, talking about you know, should we have unbelievers? Not should we, but you know, is it okay to? Some people might phrase it, should we? Um, But it's been a question for a long time. And I remember on my blog, worshipmatters.com, I wrote a post on this, I don't know, 10 years ago or Hmm. something, and it just doesn't seem to go away. (laughs) Um, So I'm glad we're talking about it. Yeah. I think it's good to start with uh, why people think it's a good idea. And and just explore that uh, from from the Bible, mm-hmm. you know, responses to th- some of the reasons people think it's a good idea. Obviously, we're showing our cards a little bit. Uh, I'm showing my cards a little bit, thinking no, uh, unbelievers shouldn't be on music teams. But um, I think the thing that people often say is, you know, you want people belonging before they believe, mm. and so there's this community of people you want to welcome. Unbelievers into, and they get to feel like what this what this is like, and you know how this works, and then over time they they see people living uh, the, their faith out, and they they begin to see okay this is different, and what is this, and and they come to know the Lord. Um, it, you know it it comes from an evangelistic. Passion, yeah, yeah, which is really good. Is, mm-hmm. And we want to see people come to know the Lord, and we don't want to be churches where you know we never have contact with unbelievers, and you know unbelievers stay out. You know, um, we want we want unbelievers in our meetings and so there's this this desire how do we get them to serve you know where where can we find a place for them um sometimes it's just wanting to see like young people in the church or maybe who are visiting the church um have a place to use their gifts mm-hmm. And you know, which is great. You know, we want to see people involved, um, or even older people. You know, adults. Just hey, why don't you why don't you serve in this way? Hey, here's a gifted musician. Sometimes it's it's more from the standpoint of uh, you know, we want um, our music to be excellent, and right. we don't have very good sure We don't have very good musicians in the church. Right. So, and this tie could tie into should we pair musicians? Um, but we talked about that last podcast. Yeah. Um, so we think, well, you know, this guy, we're not sure he's a believer. This this girl, we're not sure about her. But, um, but yeah, they they're really good, really good vocalist, really good, you know, drummer, really good guitarist, whatever. And so we're thinking, that's going to be better for our people. You mm-hmm. know, people are visiting the church or they're, they're our members, and we want the music to be good. We want it to be, you know, engaging and right. Talk gone. it if that. You know, unbeliever doesn't doesn't lay down some great licks on the base. We're gonna, you know, use him and who knows, over time the Lord might use that yeah. to bring them into the into faith in Jesus Christ. Yeah. More often than not, I hear the quality
0: uh you know debate happening like well it just needs to be good quality
1: yeah because yeah, yeah. it'll
0: immediately disengage people yeah so uh, even that i'm really thankful that you even just mentioned that of how do you think through quality you know among your team and yeah. people are paying for that from professionals yes
1: you know yeah well i think it comes down to how we define excellence mm. or quality like I mean a lot of people think the music has to be excellent mm-hmm. um, in fact, I know a very prominent um, you know pastor who has, has written about this and said you know as your church grows bigger it, it the, the quality of the music, the excellence of the musicians needs to increase because mm-hmm. people just expect that and while well, I respect this pastor. In a lot of ways, I disagree with that. Mm. I don't think that's what Scripture teaches. And I think if if you're going to get down to it, well, what what are the issues? I think there are two. One is what you just mentioned: how we define excellence. Mm-hmm. Is excellence being technically proficient? So I got a, a, a you know bachelor's in music performance. Um, I used to be able to do a lot of stuff on the piano, I can't do now. Um, But I still got some things I can do that I don't do Mm -hmm. on a Sunday morning. Why? Well, because I think it would be distracting. I think it would be... um, It wouldn't contribute to people seeing God's glory in Christ through his word as we sing. Um, Now, if excellence is serving that end, you know, getting people to sing with faith-filled hearts, yeah. um, meditate, reflecting on the glory of Christ and and what God has done for us, His Word, His worthiness, His works. Well, yeah, that's excellence, but it's what John Piper calls undistracting excellence. Right. It doesn't draw attention to itself. Mm-hmm. So, from that perspective. Uh, you know, having uh, a an unbelieving musician who can show us undistracting excellence. Well, th- that's not nec- that's not the end of the story. You know, if mm. someone says, "Well, yeah, I got an unbeliever who who they can they know how to play, and they they're just mm. serving the the congregation, the singing and the music, and they know don't, don't overplay and all that right, kind of stuff." Right, right.
0: They really get the church culture. Yes, that's right. That's yeah. right.
1: So then, I think the the second issue that is probably the most significant is I think we're allowing our desire for evangelism and the Lord's mandate for evangelism to trump our ecclesiology mm-hmm. which which is the definition and the nature of the church. Yeah. So so what is the church? Mm-hmm. Who is this group of people gathering together on typically a Sunday morning? what what is what are to be their characteristics so it, you know musicians are a part of the congregation it's not like the congregation meets and the musicians are separate mm-hmm. you know they're a part of the congregation in the old and the new testaments there's no sense that the musicians are like hired out to serve the church they're a part of the church right when spiritual gifts are mentioned in the New Testament, 1 Corinthians 12, uh, I'm sorry, 1 Corinthians, yeah, 12, Romans 12, mm. 1 Peter 4, um, Ephesians 4, everyone with a gift who's mentioned is a part of the church. Mm-hmm. So 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 let's look at some scriptures. Cause because I think we have to, you know, rather than argue the the practical, pragmatic benefits. Of whether or not an unbeliever can be a musician on your team, we we need to go how we need to look into how God views his people gathering. Right, absolutely. Because he's the one who calls us together. You know, from Mount Sinai on, you know, God has called his people together to to rehearse his saving acts, to meditate on his commands, to reflect on his worthiness and, and how he is, he is God, we are not, and mm-hmm. to give him glory for that. Mm-hmm. So when the church gathers, it is the company of God's redeemed. So I was thinking about this and thought of Psalm 95, where the psalmist says, "'O come, let us.'" sing to the Lord. Let Mm. us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Let us... Notice the pattern. Come into his presence with thanksgiving. Let us make a joyful noise to him with songs of praise. Well, who's he talking about? Mm. Who's the us? Well, he goes down further, verses three through five, he talks about how the Lord is the great king above all gods. He made everything. He created everything. Verse six, O come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker, for he is our God. Hmm. He is our God. Hmm. He's not a God. He's not even the God. He's our God. We... Are the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand? Hmm. How did we become the sheep of his pasture? Well, he chose us. Hmm. He called us out. He redeemed us. Psalm ninety. Uh, uh, Psalm ninety. Psalm thirty-three. Sorry, we just read no, Psalm ninety-five. Psalm thirty-three. Shout for joy in the Lord, O you righteous. Mm-hmm. Praise befits the upright give thanks to the Lord, now here you get into the instrumentalist, with the lyre, make melody to him with the harp of 10 strings, sing to him a new song, play skillfully on the strings with loud shouts. So singers and players together, what are we doing? We're saying, God, you're great. You're glorious. You're good. You've redeemed us. You've made us your own. We are your people. So this is how we respond. Nowhere in that is the sense that Oh yeah, and one of those people can be a, a Baal worshipper. Right. You know, one of those people can be just a pagan from the nations. You know, just just bring him in, it's no problem. It's okay with the Lord. Mm. Well, actually it's not okay with the Lord. Because yeah. we're changing then the nature of that gathering. Yeah. We're saying, "God, we we like the fact that you've called us together. We want to invite some of our own guests right. to to be the ones who lead the people in praise. That just doesn't make sense. Yeah. Right. So then when you get to the New Testament, it gets even clearer. Hmm. So you have 1 Peter 2 verses 4 and 5 that talk about, again, who is it that God has called out? As you come to him, Jesus, a, the living, st- a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious, You yourselves, Mm -hmm. talking about all the people there, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Mm. Now, who who's he talking about? Mm -hmm. You know, it's a holy priesthood. It's, we're offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Is that what the unbelieving bass player is doing? Right. I, I don't think you can make a case for that. Right. Right. You know, um, it's it's someone who has said, I, "I am a sinner. I'm condemned before God. I need mercy from God. That mercy has been provided for and paid for through Jesus Christ through His substitutionary sacrifice." on the cross, that's where I receive mercy. That's where I've been reconciled to God. That's where I've been made a part of the people of God. I I am a member of God's household. I'm one of the sheep. So now I can praise Him for that. I can declare His name in the midst of the congregation. I can tell of His greatness and His goodness and His glory in the midst of His people. Mm -hmm. Now, of course, we're supposed to do that beyond that, that group, but God calls his people together specifically for that. So Peter goes on later in that chapter, 1 Peter 2, verse 9, to talk more specifically about what we're to do. Mm. You're a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession. Again, that that idea of ownership, he owns Mm -hmm. us. Why? That you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Right. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Mm-hmm. Once you had not received mercy, but now you've received mercy. So it's clear that everyone gathered there is there because they receive mercy. I mean, that's yeah. God's intention. Yeah. And then we're to build one another up through spiritual gifts. We are being built... Ephesians 2 talks about... Um, how we're being uh, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus Himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. Yeah. So, so again, when we're gathering, we're being built into a holy temple in the Lord, uh, in which the Spirit dwells. Yeah. So, you know, there's there's more we could talk about. Um, yeah. But
0: I, I, Bob, I think there's a real seriousness to, uh, to, you know, these scriptures you're reading and even just the idea that this is a, this is a, a royal priesthood, a called out family Mm -hmm. that is, um, you know, we are building one another up and strengthening one another. Yeah, this isn't just a random collection. Yeah, that we get to pick and choose who enters and who s- stands on stage right. and who right. leaves. And I, I just think, yeah, there's just a sobriety to this
1: topic. It, it w- is, and I think that we can easily fall into the trap of, you know, we're going to. Figure out a way to help God get the message out,
0: mm.
1: and and it's well intentioned. You know, um, there are a lot of churches that that build their entire meetings around you know what does the unbeliever want, mm-hmm. what's the unbeliever comfortable with. For sure, that's just not the picture. That we get in Scripture of what you know God's people gathering together is supposed to be. Mm-hmm. It's it's meant to build up the body. Mm-hmm. So in Corinthians, First Corinthians fourteen, where Paul talks about the gathering of the saints, yeah. five times, maybe even six, he talks about how whatever we do there, we're, we're to do for the building up of the body, mm-hmm. and it's the different gifts being used to build up the body collectively. Well, yeah. if if you know, a non-Christian can be there, and we certainly would expect that and we hope that that unbelievers come in, but they are unbelievers. They are they're non-Christians. They are are not they're they're outsiders. I mean, hmm. Paul calls them outsiders in First Corinthians fourteen. He talks about in verse 23, 1 Corinthians 14, if therefore the whole church comes together and all speak in tongues, and outsiders or unbelievers enter. Will they not say that you're out of your minds? That's the discussion for another podcast. <laughs> but if all prophesy and an unbeliever or outsider enters, so he reverses the order there, hmm. he is convicted by all, he is called to account by all, the secrets of his heart are disclosed, and so falling on his face, he will worship God and he declare that God is really among you. Well, at that point, he's believed in Jesus Christ. He's saying, my sins have been exposed. Yes, God's really among you. But we, he's not up there playing guitar. Hmm. He's not up there playing violin or cello. He's not up there playing the drums. Because he's
0: more integrated, you're saying, in the service as a musician, or even as a lot of churches will have like a guest artist lead the worship. Yeah. So you're saying an outsider coming in is very different, and being a part of the service and feeling convicted and potentially getting saved is so different than a guitar player that you're paying he comes in he's not at all connected to your church like you're you're saying that there is a big difference between this outsider and someone who's integrated on in your sunday oh, services see, yeah
1: because i think paul combines outsider and unbeliever mm. so it's not just you, you know you couldn't have someone who's an outsider come in and participate in your music mm. which again i don't think that's the best I'm not sure that's the best practice, yeah. but certainly you can do it. Yeah. And you know, I've been a guest at you know another Sovereign Grace Church, yeah. or another church where I've helped lead the music. But normally, it's going to be the people in your church, right? And so, I think what happens more often—maybe not more often—I mean, what I've seen happen more often is um, people invite you know friends. Yeah, yeah I, I met someone. You know, they're a great musician, and I just want to help them, you know, kinda I'd love to see them come to the Lord. So, hey, why don't you play in our band? Right. And I un I think unintentionally, that undercuts what God's purposes are for his church. Mm. Now that's he's wanting the church to be a place where the members of the body of Christ gather together. Mm-hmm. To to build up one another, right. to serve one another, to to encourage one another. You know, Hebrews um, t- 10 talks about, you know, therefore encourage one another as long as you s- see, um, didn't <laughs> getting the scriptures confer- confused in my mind right now. Hebrews 10, 22, um, let me see, 10, I'm gonna look it up right now. Hebrews 10 um, let us consider how to stir up one another yeah. to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Mm-hmm. That's what we're meant to do as we get together right so h- how can I encourage an unbeliever stir up an unbeliever to love and good works when he doesn't even know the Lord? Mm. Now certainly right. he can hear the gospel, and I hope he does. But I want him or her to hear that gospel as a part of, you know, the people who have come to the meeting. Mm-hmm. Now they're an outsider; they're an unbeliever, but they're certainly welcome to come. We have unbelievers in our meeting every week at Sovereign Grace Church, of Louisville, mm. um, and we're glad they're there. Mm-hmm. But we don't invite them to participate in the Lord's Supper. Right. In fact, we say we we ask that you not participate. Right. Why? Well, because you don't know what this represents. you know. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 11, 11, 27, starting verse 27, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and blood of the Lord. Hmm. Let a person examine himself then and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body eats and drinks judgment on himself. So there, Paul is talking about the discernment of who's in the body of Christ what is the body of Christ mm-hmm. and by you know inviting unbelieving musicians to actually participate <laughs> in front serving the church just distorts so many things, it confuses so many things. What is the church? Mm-hmm. You know, Is it just whoever's gathered there? No, it's those who have been redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ. They've trusted in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ mm-hmm. to redeem them for the forgiveness right. of their sins. And they've joined themselves to this local church where they have elders, pastors who are watching over them, caring for them, preaching the word of God to them. They're being knit together. Right. As a body. An unbeliever is not a part of that body. Right. Now it it'd be helpful, I think, to talk about, well, so then what do you do? Yeah. You know, you got an unbelieving friend who's a great musician. I mean, you can have jam sessions. You can, you can say, hey, let's play together. Get get some of your friends who are in the band to just get together and jam. You know, to play some songs, um, y- you can befriend them apart from music, because mm. uh, music is not the only way we win musicians. Mm-hmm. And one of the things we can do is just to love them not for the s- fact that they're a musician, but just because they're lost yeah. and they need the gospel. Mm-hmm. They they don't know Jesus has come. To save them from their sins. Mm-hmm. And it, it may be even that, you know, music's an idol for them. And by loving them, by getting into their lives, by by talking to them about you know, their struggles, their challenges, but your struggles, your challenges, and how Jesus has made a difference. You know, that I think that speaks so much more to them than saying, hey, let's use your musical gifts here. In the church, and right. maybe you know by hearing the sermon every week and you know being here, maybe you'll you know become a Christian. I have known people who that's happened to, yeah. You know, I've known one guy, thinking of in particular, he he came to church for like two years, not our church, came to church and he eventually came to the Lord. Hmm. Uh, that's wonderful, but uh, my friend Matt Westerholm has used uh, the illustration of you know just the fact that some people. Aren't wearing their seat belts and, and are in an automobile wreck and they survive doesn't mean that you shouldn't wear your seatbelt. Right. That's like an exception. <laughs> and, and we don't want to use the exception as the rule. Mm. And the rule would be: how does God think about his church? Yeah. You know, this is his church, right. Jesus' church. He's building it. The mm-hmm. gates of hell should not prevail against it. So you know, if you're in a, a church and the the musicians just aren't that great and you meet this great drummer, you know you think, oh man, he'd be so good. Well, reach out to him, befriend him, pray for them. Mm. you know, make it clear to them, you know, man, it'd be some it'd be so cool if if you could be you know playing for the Lord one day, yeah, but don't confuse them by saying, Hey, come and be a part of the the church's service, you know, right? And and play for these people who are worshiping the Lord, because that's confusing. Oh, I'll I'll do my good work, right? You know, I mean, how many people are thinking, yeah, if I just use my gifts like in a church, you know, context, religious context, I'll be good, you know? I'm putting in my time, you know. Surely, at the end of my life, God's going to say, you know, well, what'd you do? Well, I played for the church, Lord. You know, I mean, what do you think about that? And the Lord's gonna say, it's not enough. Hmm. Like he's gonna say to everyone who hasn't trusted in Christ. Hmm. So I don't I don't Hmm. want my unbelieving friends who are musicians thinking that music is somehow a part of their salvation. Right. It's not. Yeah, yeah. You know, music is is great. But Jesus is greater. Yeah. And I think when, as we have non-Christians side by side with believers, playing on a team, it's just confusing. And one other thing I I didn't mention that I think is important, you know, you're inviting someone who doesn't know Jesus Christ, who doesn't follow Him as Lord, to infiltrate your team, you to be a part of your team. Yeah. And you might say, well, they're really nice. They're really, you know, they're really good. They're better some Christians, I know. Yes, maybe so. <laughs> but they're living for a false God. They're worshiping a false God. Yeah. yeah. And so, you know, Paul says first Corinthians seven, don't be unequally yoked with unbelievers. Mm. So that would certainly fall into that category mm-hmm. of, you know, yoking unbelievers and believers together. So God's ways are better than ours. Yep. His thoughts are higher than ours. And I think when we we start to think we have a better idea, better plan of, you know, what what should the makeup of our musicians be, you know, non-Christian Christian. We're we're confusing what God has said. We're confusing what the church is mm-hmm. and we're actually working against the gospel that we we claim to preach and and we yeah. don't want to do that. There there are better ways God has given to us and uh you know I pray that this is helping, you know, if if someone's listening, they do have unbelievers on their team that is helping them think through that more carefully. And if you do have someone on your team, who's an unbeliever, you know, I and you're convicted, I would just sit down with them and say, "Hey, you know, I've been thinking about this the wrong way. Uh, mm. I, you know, we are a group of people who are We've been redeemed. Mm-hmm. We've been saved. We've been we've been forgiven. Mm-hmm. And you know, I I think it's wrong to put you in that position of of acting like you know someone who's forgiven, someone right. who's who's claims the name of Jesus Christ, mm-hmm. who has trusted in His finished work. You know, so I don't want to put you in that position anymore. And you know, it might be losing your drummer, might mean losing your guitar player, might mm-hmm. mean losing a vocalist. I, I don't know, but I can tell you this. When we are in God's will, when we are obeying His Word, we are in the best place we can possibly be. Mm -hmm. So you can trust that the Lord's gonna take care of you.
0: Yeah, amen. Thank you so much just for your for your care and clarity on that, I I think Mm. we're so tempted uh, in our churches to pursue professional, you know, professionalism, Mm, mm, when you just clearly laid out just the sobriety of the reason why we gather in our churches. Yeah, yeah. Uh, So I'm so thankful for that. And if you listen to this podcast and uh, you're encouraged by this episode, um, you know, God gets the glory... Um,
1: well, yeah, just trying to go back to his word mm-hmm. and say, Lord, what have you said about who we are, what we're supposed to be doing? And that, that always brings clarity.
0: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, thank you, Bob, and thank yeah. you for listening and for joining us. Yes. And... Uh, Hope to see you good, again. Yeah, have a good day.
1: Thank you for listening to Sound Plus Doctrine, the podcast of Sovereign Grace Music. Sovereign Grace Music exists to produce Christ-exalting songs and training for local churches from local churches. For more information, free sheet music, translations, and training resources, you can visit us at SovereignGraceMusic.org.